तो आई एम अ फील्ड आर्कियोलॉजिस्ट सो माई आई स्पेशलाइज इन एक्सकवेशन बेसिकली सो Hi everyone and welcome to Don't Run Into Glass a podcast hosted by the citizen.in I'm Getty and I'm Anika and it's been a bit it's been a bit Anika it's been a minute why have we disappeared for like I'm sorry I think it was my fault it was entirely your fault <laughs> I just feel like I need to stop taking on uh work <laughs> and become a boring housewife so that I can just record these podcasts all the time <laughs> aspirations aspirations yeah, yeah. uh but what are we chatting about today anika today we are chatting about my hard subject archaeology and um yeah what do you think about that did you watch the mummy <laughs> I, i did not expect you to throw that reference but i want to say that archaeology seems to be like a very hot topic right now i remember when we were in college and um you told us you were going to become an archaeologist i I I don't even know what my reaction was yeah. but all of a sudden we have you know archaeologists on all these podcasts that are getting going viral you included yes and uh, it's clearly something that's having its moment and I think I'm honestly I think that's great because it's a very unconventional career path and more so for women that are entering the profession it's an unconventional career path and we have women breaking glass ceilings yeah. um sort of getting into the profession yeah and um yeah it's super exciting actually so the skeptic in me that made fun of you maybe those prove you wrong huh you prove me wrong again <laughs> no i think it's uh, it's really having its moment archaeology right now and i think uh, You know why I wanted to get into archaeology? I know you said it multiple times in the podcast but it was because I read a book but it also was because I was totally in love with Brendan Fraser from The Mummy and I did want to become his librarian <laughs> but apart from that I also did I just love the fact of being out in the open and I think this aspect of a lot of women uh becoming archaeologists now and going and like roughing it out and really not being completely unfazed about roughing it out in the brutal heat um is something that is just it feels good it feels normal it feels like things are coming back to normal you know and i think we want to touch upon that a little bit also you know it does sound like a very glamorous profession and i think gra- glamorous because of the way it's been portrayed in TV shows and Hollywood and things like that. It But really in reality, isn't. it's because of the riding boots that women wear sometimes on these TV shows that looks glamorous. It's not glamorous. In fact, all. we in, uh, we're going to talk to our guest a little bit, bit about that. But you shared, uh, you know, the those cast uh, episode that was on this, and uh, those cast Vinamre asked uh, Disha, "How come you are in like, you know, like these covered in black cloth and excavating on these sites?" kind of because our images of you know those 
cowboy boots and tiny shorts and yeah. you know the more glamorous image yeah. um and of course she was like well it's really hot outside so <laughs> we can't and it's like the sun is beating yeah. on us and yeah. it'll peel our skill out uh yeah i know vinamra's question was mm-hmm. quite hilarious <laughs> yeah. uh but it isn't glamorous it's very rugged it's uh, you do remember remember when i went to cambodia and i was in a village for like multiple weeks and i had not showered and i was just gross and disgusting in fact i was very worried about you because i got like calls yeah. from anika when she had you know a little bit of reception uh, once in a while and she is lost to the cambodian villages yeah. um living with a family that doesn't speak the language getting food poisoning unwell and mm. i know that there was a troop of uh, you know sort of like i don't know i think some europeans that were there one night and that was your one like respite like yeah i had scammed them <laughs> i had scammed them saying that i'm a guide i will take you around you can pay me 10 dollars and i showed them all the temples and then i was like the respite was i could have a drink with someone and actually have a conversation in english and i think this is also what we'll talk about what is life like on an ex- excavation site i mean are, is everyone partying and having fun is there's everyone sort of retired to their tents but on that note why don't you introduce our guest and let's have her come on absolutely so today we have someone i actually met for the first time at an excavation site disha aluwalia disha who has worked on some of the most seminal sites in mm-hmm. india uh sinoli where one of the most coveted artifacts was found i'll let you expand that and rafi gadi which is where i met you for the first time so disha why don't you tell us a little bit about when did your first dream of you wanting to become an archaeologist come into you first of all thank you for having me thank you for coming and on and i know it's going to be a great conversation and yeah archaeology sort of happened accidentally i think um you know i wanted to do something else pursue photography uh and um it just so happened that i ended up enrolling uh in a history program at delhi university and the first class was on human evolution and it was about the neolithic settlements and prehistory and the stone tools and you know australopithecus he's the only and person in that class that probably found that fascinating <laughs> like everybody else was like oh god stone tools like freaking know. human evolution when are we going to go to like more interesting periods and i was so difficult to understand the human evolutionary chart you know right from the australopithecus all the way to homo sapien it is it's such a uh it's it's a long journey that you know i'm just just have made but it's it's for a student who's who has no clue about it it was it was little interesting and it really you know fascinated me and i remember going back and reading bu- books brian fagan you know uh, the ultimate book you would go as a student you know and and read that book and um, when i cracked uh the the code you know when i understood the whole topic i was like so proud of myself i was like yeah this is interesting and i think i should do this i mean like you know maybe maybe this is something i want to do because before that i was going on and asking all my uh, you know colleagues and you know students who were with me in that batch about what they want to do i i really had no clue what i will do with history uh, degree in history after you know graduating i literally had no clue because you know i have not met anybody who who yeah. sort of guide me and there was nobody at home who would guide me and i remember uh, most of the students would you know give me answers like they are appearing they are preparing for a upsc exam ias exams ias yeah. exams yeah. and history is going to be one I mean, of the main yeah. uh, subject 
and i was like oh, i can't do it <laughs> you psc you yeah, know yeah. i know i i can't do that so what's next and then somebody would be like you know i'll do phd and i was like okay um maybe i don't know what phd means right now i'm just doing my bachelor's um yeah so that's when the whole curiosity sort of you know and i started talking to people and i tell them that i want to pursue archaeology reading more books and i remember at uh, i think it was national geographic there would be this program every day or every week on egyptology hmm you know and i remember watching that very closely and they would show excavations and you know the students would go uh, in the pyramids and they would be excavating and i was it was like yeah this is what i want to do okay so the, now let me ask a very blunt question has excavation and has the path that you've chosen lived up maybe to like how you imagined it yeah more than that more than that more wow. than that yeah because i can't imagine not being mm. at the site okay like covid was brutal for many reasons of course but it was also brutal because now i was stuck at home i just could not go to the site we like because you know i've gotten into the habit of being in the field for at least 5 to 6 months a year is that uh, and how long are you usually there like you're leaving tomorrow i'm morning. leaving tomorrow so i think i will 5 am 5 am yeah. so i think i will be we will be excavating till may at least oh, end wow. of may so yeah. imagine we started in jan and all the way till may 5 months yeah uh and then i've excavated for like 8 months also so i'm I've gotten so used to this uh kind of life dual life that i live yeah. you know on site and off site yeah uh so yeah i can't imagine not doing it and i have this fear what if i don't get an opportunity what if next season i'm not there for x y z reasons and mm. i'm not there i'm not able to excavate I had I get that fear and you know, I I have that fear which is why you're there even in the 45 degree yeah, heat Yeah I think yeah. I think so yeah I met her right in the middle of a heat wave Yes at Rakigadi and Rakigadi is in Haryana Okay can we tell our audience because see now we're going to end up speaking like archaeology talk <laughs> and uh, since I'm the only outsider into this little archaeology world I'm going to keep bringing you guys down to like some common yeah. platform and telling you maybe this needs to be elaborated a bit so right now you're excavating at a site called rakhigari yes. can you tell us a little bit more about that site so rakhigari is one of the five largest harappan or indus valley cities indus valley civilization cities and it's the largest in the indian domain okay. because the the three are in pakistan now and uh uh following rakhigari is dholavera which has recently become the unesco world heritage site and rakhigari is about 350 hectares okay so huge huge site massive massive, yeah. massive site and um, there are about seven mounds like seven peaks you can say hmm. seven uh mound distinct looks peaks. like almost like a yeah, small a hill small okay hill. yeah right and uh, yeah so we are ex- tra- excavating right now uh, dr sanjay kumar manjul is heading the excavation uh, institute of archaeology asi and um, yeah it's been great so we're digging her up in city right yeah. but are there people that are living here or this is un- yes. in- okay there are people there are people so, so what do you do more- you like 
tell them to leave? No, no. You have to work. Do you explain to them what you're doing? We explain to them what yeah. we're doing because we uh, we always collaborate with them. Okay. We uh, always need local participation on site as well for our work, and we hire locals to do to work with us in the field Got because uh, we need assistance, right? Yeah. And the best is to have the local assistance. And uh, but we uh, we only explore the area which is open. Which is available, so it's not under people's houses people or you know privately owned it's land. It's very difficult. Yeah, like private land we do only if it's a you know a field, agriculture field. Okay. So, but we ASI always pay uh, the you know remunerate them. Okay, so you'll yeah. acquire the land or whatever it is. Yeah, we take and the then, land. Yeah. We actually the concept is you pay uh, whatever area that you're taking, you pay the amount of crop that would grow there because that's what uh, the you know the farmer is going to compromise yeah. on so that's how the compensation works and so do you have the mandate as asi to like uh, take that land even if they don't want to give it or whatever no not we can't force anyone you can't force it okay. we can uh, we can we can make the make it a national protected site yeah but we can't it's a, there's a see there's a difference between inscribing a site and buying the land okay yeah. so you can inscribe the site like you can inscribe it in the list of the nationally protected monuments uh, buying is a whole different, different game. and it's also done for different purposes. Different like purposes. When yes. we had to build a museum in Rakhigarhi, that's a bought land. Okay, yeah, that's you a bought the land. land. Yeah. Whereas a, a site that has something underneath it, there has to be cooperation with the village. Mm -hmm. And I think the village that lives on the site, are, even after the archaeologists are gone, are the most important custodians of that site. Yeah. Yes. So there is absolutely no way that you can actually displace them yeah mm -hmm. you have to keep them there and it's not as if villages don't get relocated and displaced when a very important site it's happened it's happened many times but that's not the strategy that we're following at Rocky Valley for sure yeah yeah I mean like it's uh, also you know the state government is there then you have district authorities you have so many other stakeholders who are in, in this yes Yes, I yeah. know. Yes. <laughs> Red tape know is better. a matter yeah. because Disha is working on the site, right? Yeah, and I am also working on that site, but in a different capacity. Yeah, where I'm actually dealing with all of these stakeholders. So, what? Explain to me now. You're both archaeologists. I've seen you both on podcasts, and now since I'm sitting here, I get to ask you guys a question. What is what you do different from what you do? So, mm -hmm. so yeah. I'm a field archaeologist. So my uh, I specialize in excavation. Uh, basically, so digging. So you dig. <laughs> I know that's a stupid question, but I really honestly felt dig. like I wanted to ask. Yes, it. we yeah. do. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, so uh, digging aside, you know, it's not what we see in movies or what if, you know people romanticize this whole concept of digging yeah. aside. It's it, it's not like that. Digging up a site is it's it's very technical because you have to look at so many different aspects and then post digging and while you're digging there's so many interpretations that you have to make you have to understand the nature of the site you have to fulfill the research questions or the objectives of the excavation yeah. uh, take care of the antiquities and then you know um, if you have students who are going to be there for training you train them so um, so I do that aspect so digging and bringing antiquities out you know retrieving antiquities evidence the more con what people more conventionally associate with exactly. archaeology exactly, exactly yes. how you understand archaeology that's exactly what she does yeah. you know yeah. she yeah. goes on the site lives in a tent um, yeah. digs the site up 
-hmm. Whereas I work in the domain of exploration. Yeah. So before the site is dug, that is when I am most active because I look at satellite remote sensing imagery. I look at the site overall. I, I, I go and uh, I work with the communities that live within the site as well to understand as to even if this is the highest point of the mound, which could be the most important part of this particular site but if it is totally inhabited yeah now how are we going to go ahead and cut out a small portion now so i work with those communities to find that vacant land areas that we can somehow talk to them so i'm like that people person before and very useful during exploration when you're like that people person and then i come in after her dig is done ah okay so yeah. after her dig is done after all the antiquities have been recovered from an art historian's perspective, how to take those antiquities and curate the entire story that needs to be told to the general yeah. public, that's also where I come in. So, so speaking of, uh, you know, excavating antiquities, and that's what you're obviously looking to do, and we've done a couple of podcasts on stolen artifacts and mm. things like that. Is that a big challenge in excavation yeah. sites? I, yeah, at excavation sites, of course, you have to, that's the reason why, you know, we keep a lot of, you know, uh, things, we, like, you know, we don't disclose a lot of things. Mm. A lot of we facts are not yeah, disclosed for the longest time. Yeah, uh, like, we are not allowed to give any statements to the press before, you know, a official press release. Uh, we are not allowed, to, uh, people are not allowed to click pictures mm. uh, because of one of these, uh, you know, dangers of antiquities being taken away or whatever. And also because of the people will come up with the popular narrative and ridiculous interpretation and we that will hamper our work because see uh, digging up a site is it's one thing is digging anti digging up antiquities the other thing is that we're dealing with the people and the remains that they have left behind so digging up features uncovering and unearthing the features is also an important thing like structures a workshop area you know, streets. streets, drains, and making a sense of what you're digging. Because as a layman, you would go and you would be like, you know, I can only see mud. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah. You know, and then the, that's where our work is as archaeologists. And even, you know, it's it might look like what Anika is doing is different from what I'm doing, but we have to always work it's in It's all together. like it's all Lego pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Because exploration is also what tells us where to dig, where to take our trenches so that we don't spend a lot of time in the field. Uh, money is also at stake so our resources are limited so we have to utilize that so we take care of all of that so it's sort of a team and archaeology is very diverse yeah you know? it's very diverse uh, i i deal with field archaeology ceramics xyz anika deals with you know exploration and satellite imagery and other aspects museums, of museums governments yeah. getting everyone in the same room to yes. decide that no, this is what the central theme of the museum is going to be. And yeah. if you don't like it, too bad. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like how you would have to say that very, very diplomatically in yeah. like a room with all the stakeholders. Oh, yes. um, but so there are various things I would like to discuss. But I'm going to also ask you guys like a very basic question. Now, let's say Rakhi Giri, right? Rakhi Gari. Rakhi Gari. Let me make sure I get that correct the next time. Rakhi Gari. Rakhi Gari, so like you found the artifacts, you are working on a museum to display the artifacts. Mm. Can you guys tell us a little bit about what you found um, that maybe we didn't know the Harappan civilization used or anything exciting that you we found? We can talk about press release stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly there is stuff, there is stuff that there's you There's always found. a lot of stuff. There's, there's so much you do find at a site. There's so much you discard that you find at a site as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah we... Uh, 
that's what the thing is you know there's so much we find at site where we have to record then and there and uh, now our methodology has changed so much we have to be very meticulous and you know documented you know even the smallest pottery mm. shirt that we find and you have to look at e- even the smallest you know that those micro beads that you get you have to keep them and you know these small small pieces together build up a story Good. so so it it's it's very technical stuff a uh, technical work also yeah. yeah yeah and and takes a lot of effort and time to do that yeah. so once i day can i give things to anika then she has to i have to interpret the human you know what are they doing with these things yeah. why are there so many things even she does this actually right in the beginning because she gives us the lead you yeah. know because she has the raw data yeah. that there was a concentration of these things that was yeah. found here yeah. there's a concentration of those things that was found here then our role collectively becomes about okay so what were these people doing here really? yeah so you have to was this it. like a trade center what did it have a commercial unit was this purely residential was this by chance did people continue after the civilization got over you know there's so many conclusions that we can draw what is the true spread of it what does the neighboring areas look it's a and lot and there's probably conflict in the interpretations as well right like sometimes somebody yeah. saying it's probably being used some way and then another campus that's, saying that no it's that's not why happening we base a lot of things on scientific analysis mm. so for instance i give you an example like you know uh, the terms like industrial site workshop area domestic you know residential area so these are the terms which we generally use but we can't use that very lightly Hmm. you we can't so when i say that for instance mount number 1 of rakigadi is a lapidary center center for lapidary where craft person would reside and then they would you know uh, at the same place they would this have the workshop where they would work with bees yeah. they would work with yeah. you know it's semi precious stones yeah. correct so how can i justify it so we have to then look at the debitage the waste hmm. uh, not only that the raw material uh, are we finding uh, the finished product or we are finding the semi semi finished product so are they getting the semi finished product from somewhere else and then they are you know fine tuning it and then mm. they're selling it to the local yeah. in, in the local market uh, and then of course uh, uh, are we finding furnaces uh, you know what what about the fuel in the mm. furnaces what is the evidence so all of that will go in justifying just one term yeah it. it's not yeah. just just generally we will just use it casually no we have to have a lot of evidence to back it yeah, yeah. so it's a very specific skill set yes. yeah and um, you know obviously it is very tedious work i want to just lighten the conversation a little bit also <laughs> i want to know what life on an excavation site is like <laughs> and i want to know like let's imagine you go there and let's say you reach and you wake up the next morning take us through your, your day. day yeah So uh we usually live in tents. And what are these tents How like? How old are those tents please tell me? Oh my god. Really <laughs> oh my god. Really are they really like old. falling apart tents? Uh, they are no, like British no. time tents. No. Now they've got the new ones. They've got the new, new ones. ones. This uh, last yes. time they had the old ones. Oh uh, yes, because but then sandstorm. Yes. And then destroy most of our tents. Oh god. Yeah. Uh so yeah so we live in tents. Usually uh, this is actually a ASI tradition. although universities also offer tents but they would always go for you know a structure if they find a house or something vacant or a school building or a dharmshala yeah. so because of the resources yeah. uh, but i have seen most of asi's camps are you know tent based camps 
and um, so these tents you would go for exploration or you know an adventure resort somewhere you know run of cut or magnetic fields you know <laughs> magnetic field tents yeah, yes yeah, yeah. so they are not like that though There's no just one bed <laughs> these are very like army style tents army style tents exactly. canvas, yes, canvas olive green yeah. faded they have a toilet unit no, also no, some no. of them at the back bathing bathing, bathing yeah. unit yeah. and yeah so yeah so there's one bed yeah uh, table if you want chair if you want maybe <laughs> maybe not maybe maybe not <laughs> yeah. uh and then there is an area uh, at the back where you can uh, be like okay you know, so everyone has area. their own little uh, yeah every tent it. yeah um so it depends on the size of the tent if it's a little big two people can accommodate okay. so you can share and if you don't want to share it's like yeah. up to you it depends on how many people are living at the site at the moment and uh, yeah the big tents what the director uh directors and the other officials would have their bigger tents hmm. uh i remember when I, my first excavation 2013 uh there was this huge tent you know beige color canvas tent and uh, there was written swiss cottage <laughs> just outside Uh, and it was basically <laughs> printed and then i remember it was dr manjul's tent <laughs> and uh, coincidentally both dr sanjay manjul and arvin manjul they both were the co-directors of that excavation we were excavating in harappan site uh, in rajasthan and i remember going and there was small sort of area where they could keep their shoes and you know other things and then a big room and you know they had a cupboard they had nicely laid out bed and everything and then again a changing room and a big uh, toilet and bathroom These and are like, like nice tents and i'm like oh this is nice but full you know, swiss cottage full know. swiss cottage and and dr manju was very kind you know i remember we were excavating that site in rajasthan in may yeah oh god it was horrible and i remember i was not well and i got a call from him and he's like you go stay in my tent i'm not Sweet. there so i was little hesitant because it was such a luxurious tent as compared to mine but yeah so he is one of those people who will just let you stay in the and tent. who looks after probably like the so there are uh, there is a camp in charge always it's usually the official or somebody who holds an office because camp management you need to have a mess to eat yeah. food also so we also have to either we give the, there'll be a tent for a mess or you uh, create sort of a make shift you know um, shed sort of a thing for the mess uh, so the camp in charge would take care of the tents um Food. the the sto- store because you have to have uh, equipments and other necessities and other things stored up yeah. somewhere because in case you need uh, and the food and everything and then there's site in charge which i do Hmm. then uh, people who take care of the technical stuff which is that you take care of like the, the excavation, excavation part the excavation we just bumped into this little thing on the trench what is this because <laughs> i was walking about with her and she got several calls she's like oh we just found this in the trench and she's like yeah so just brush around it <laughs> a little bit and i was like do you want to go back girl like i'll just take you back and she's like no and no I no and remember that day we found a ceiling yeah the ceiling which, yes, which was very yes, very yes. interesting yeah, yeah so that happens so yeah. you have to sort of take care of all the small small details of the excavation uh, so we usually wake up very early yeah um winters 8 o'clock in the morning and we work 8 hours yeah and the on the field on field we work 8 hours off field we are working even obviously you know, and i'm sure you're discussing the thing and discussing yeah. and everything yeah. 
but summers are the worst because you have to start your work at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, because yeah. then otherwise you cannot work. You can't yeah, work yeah, post yeah. ten. Yeah. yeah, that's why you were wearing all that black you cloth. You can't. <laughs> you can't work post ten. Yeah, you really can't. And uh, so you have to wake up at four thirty, and you have to be at the site by five, because you know the locals would come who helping and working with us. They would be there because they're punctual, not like us. So they will be waiting for us to you know resume work. And then uh, we start again in the evening about three four. Okay. We have a long gap during yeah. summers, mm. which it. is if it's really hard, just goes for yeah. waste. You can't do anything. And what about being a woman at an excavation site? Because you know, <laughs> I that's also when I was watching both your podcasts, and you guys have been on a couple. Um, a couple of the questions were, or the comments were along those lines. They were along mm-hmm. the lines of, it's incredible to see women mm-hmm. joining unconventional professions. And these are the type of Indian women I want to like aspire to be. Mm-hmm. And very positive comments in a very sweet way. But um, I want to ask you, like maybe ten years ago, no one really thought that a woman would be at an excavation site. So you're probably mm-hmm. like you know paving the way for a new generation. Uh, but can you give us an idea of whether it's been a challenge for you as a woman working in a predominantly male field? I'm sure Anika would agree with me that. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not been that easy. Uh, I think the degree of uh, the degree might vary, or certain small small uh, you know minute details might vary. But I think being a woman in field. Or any field, for that matter, where you have to go out of your comfort zone, outside, live in a tent, live in the tent, mm-hmm. exactly, go into the villages, and then uh, work there has not been easy. And I would like to say it's not been easy because of the way we are conditioned. It a it takes a lot of time for you to get out of your shell, also, because you have so much of social conditioning as well. That oh my God, can I go alone? कुछ हो तो नहीं जाएगा एम आई सेफ यू हैव योर ओन थाट्स होल्डिंग योर बैक एट टाइम्स एंड इट हैज़ बीन अ जर्नी टू लेट दैट गो यू नो टू जस्ट लेट इट बी नथिंग विल हैपन नथिंग विल नथिंग रॉन्ग विल नो रॉन्ग विल गो एंड लाइक यू नो यू हैव टू लाइक सॉर्ट ऑफ प्रोसेस दीज इमोशंस इंटरनली फर्स्ट आई थिंक इट टेक्स सम टाइम टू हैव to reinstate the confidence that we already have in ourselves that yes, we can handle we ourselves we can handle ourselves it okay. takes a lot of time you know fair enough but like we were speaking earlier even if you have that confidence the systems are such that they would very often be like let's not take a woman with us yeah, that's the, the other side you of know, the story you know something will happen all or you know we'll get into trouble yeah. or me too yeah. ho jayega you know all of that type of stuff so i think uh, i've been lucky uh, really blessed uh, uh, to be working with uh, the mentors who didn't who were not limiting you know my abilities to be on the side and especially because there was a woman dr arvin manjul who was initially when i started working she was a co-director hmm. so i think that really affected my growth really gave me confidence because i remember her standing uh, you know on site uh, managing everything and where, where you know sir is focusing on one part you know Uh, of the excavation she's taking care of other part and i remember uh, you know i would have a lot of hesitation to talk to her about certain things but just seeing her there on site full power everything she she's a full power she's, lady she's, yeah she's, she's yeah, regional director uh, north hmm. uh, okay in asi so just looking at her and and you know uh, she was so sweet i remember uh, she taught me how to use my knife and how to use my tools and 
that really gave me a lot of confidence that you know okay i can aspire to be like this i yeah. think i think that really affects your uh, gives you comfort thinking. it gives you comfort and security like the right yes. role model i think is very important very very important yeah. someone paving the way yeah yeah, someone, yeah. and uh, speaking of paving the way since you guys are paving the way let's talk a little bit about how did you get into this i know you told us how what inspired you and how you got into history but practical advice for somebody tuning in who possibly wants to be an archaeologist what is the let's imagine you're speaking to a 17 year old you yeah. know what is the curriculum 11 standards or oh, let's talk to a 9 standard student yeah yeah, yeah because mm-hmm. they're going to take their streams in their in their high school yeah i think today archaeology is evolved so much and i think um in, in certain universities it is not just arts it's science as well so if uh, i th- if anyone wants to be an archaeologist they need to understand few things such as you need to have a attitude where you are ready to give up your comfort for weeks at end you know don't get too attached to the comforts of your home i'm, I'm sure we all Sometimes miss it you don't get enough water to wash your face oh, star like on the sides yes sometimes like, sometimes you don't exactly that has happened with me you know summers because there's water scarcity everywhere in this country i mean you can't help it Yeah. You know, in our homes in cities, we can at least you know manage. We have resources, but at times you can't, and I have long hair. Yeah, <laughs> it gets so frustrating. That's so why I started chopping my chopping. hair off in the summer. I was like, I have freedom. <laughs> yeah, you so don't have to wash it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it 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 is not easy. You know, so you have to give up your comfort. You have to understand to be an archaeologist. You have to really you have to go back in time. and because we're digging up evidence that are left behind thousands of years ago so you have to really understand that perspective and then go into archaeology i think that's really important because i've seen students uh after watching movies they would come and they would be like you know i want to be an archaeologist but just two weeks into the excavation they're like, like bye, done. done bye it's not for me you know yeah. um i mean i don't blame them also because that's what it's movies have done it's not for everyone yeah. so you have to really um understand and get into that mode and that sort of emotions of being an archaeologist that attitude that i'm talking about secondly uh history is the main the mainstream way is to basically opt for history, history. or you know uh archaeology as your uh, you know subject in your bachelor's but you can also do it after taking up science let me just say it right here we really need botanists hmm. zoologists people working in chemistry geologists geologists we need these specialized uh, streams and you know students who specialize in all of this to come into archaeology because archaeology is not just digging up things it's not history uh, and even to reconstruct history you need science without science you can't authenticate any evidence and today we have very limited number of archaeologists archaeobotanists hmm. so if students who are passionate about history archaeology even if you take you know a bsc in botany or whatever msc you do whatever you do you can still be an archaeologist yeah that's the beauty of the subject it's yeah. not limiting we think like that that's what i thought when Even i, was, I thought that. yeah you know when that's why i took history yes it's same i was like i took it accidentally but that's what i thought and that's what a lot of people will tell you do you want to be an archaeologist take history, history yeah. but then i true. know and i'm sure anika will also add few points in this that we need specialists 
Because without them, our work is incomplete. Yeah, for With, sure. Without an archaeobotanist, how would you know the eating, you know, food habits? Because they are the ones who are uh, collecting samples. Yeah. We are not, we, I'm digging. But they are the ones who are processing the samples, taking that to the lab and then seeing, you know, okay, we've found rice. Yeah. And then dating that uh, charred grain yeah. and then get, giving the us lab. the dates. Yeah. We need people working in DNA. Yeah. Ancient DNA. Right? Half the time we can't tell uh, the clue as to what animal we're looking at. Yeah. yeah. Zoologists for bones. Yeah. This, and, and the worst part is, you know, <coughs> students I train, they have, they have done MA or BA. You know, usually mm. art stream, and they can't go into these scientific mainstream professions after they have done masters in yeah. arts. Yeah. So, uh, would really like students who are pursuing the MSc or BSc to be. It, they can easily get into archaeology. We need archaeobotanists, zoologists. We need archaeochemists. We need special uh, uh, archaeology needs to grow in this country. GIS experts, remote sensing remote experts. Sensing, there's we need so, so much potential. Like literally yes. any scientist, you can come into archaeology. You can come, come you're just recruiting yeah. everybody right now. This, like, is actually, you do, this is actually a careers uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, paleopathology. I mean, invest. Uh, the, because there's so much of interaction and because of the way few you know the structuring is uh, these streams are coming up you have forensic archaeologists yeah you know we need anthropologists and i mean i can dig a barrel but i need an anthropologist a forensic archaeologist on site to tell me the details that i can't see because i'm not my i'm not trained yeah mm. of course it is a very specialized skill set and do you find that there is a shortage i mean clearly yeah. there is yeah. there yeah. is a, There's a huge shortage you also like coming back to your original question to her how to be an archaeologist so what is the okay let's function within the traditional path that we are yeah. all taking while scientists are welcome into archaeology and very well invited into it but as an archaeologist, you do history honours. History honours. Masters in ancient history, archaeology in India. Correct. And then you go on to do your masters and then after that you must in India, if you want to work with an archaeological body that is generally under the archaeological survey of India yeah. or the state government archaeological bodies, you will have to go to, to the Institute, Institute of, Archaeology, of Archaeology that is run by the Archaeological Survey. And okay. interestingly, they have the, there's a, their own institute. Their yes. institute okay. and this institute uh, was basically the concept was similar to the Institute of Archaeology uh, in, in London. Uh, and uh, Mortimer Wheeler started the first school of, it was known as School of Archaeology back then. And um, at Takshila. In, which is now in Pakistan ah, okay. and the first batch included uh, prof uh, archaeologist Professor B.B. Lal you know and then uh, there on every year students from different parts of the country they are selected and then they are trained in oh, the biggest in context Takshila so there were six fantastic universities that were set up in India yeah, Takshila in the early medieval and late ancient period yeah. these were kind of Buddhist universities uh, Vikramashila, Nalanda, Takshila, mm. right? So when Mortimer Wheeler set this Institute of Archaeology up, it was in the ancient university. So look oh, at okay. the glamour yes. of it. Yeah. Yes. You know, like don't miss out on his choice of place for educating people to come back and dig up the past. And yeah. the idea was you know? also to uh, train the students in the newly formed India. 
Hmm. We're going to be soon independent India. So to train the students so that you know then the the lineage of ASI would go on and then there'll be more students coming up and then they're trained. So the legacy have gone on. Yeah. Right from you know Bibilal being the first one of the from the first batch till now. Yeah. And I'm proud to be part of that sort of that's you know, true. That's and yeah. now they have so the Institute of Archaeology in India is in Greater Noida now. Yeah. It's earlier it used to be hosted in the Red, Red Fort. Fort. And so Look at the institutions also. This is the first time that it has bought its own land yeah. and built its own building. Earlier, it always existed in an old building, right? So, and this building is beautiful. Huge. Uh, now, they have a diploma course that is undergraduate diploma and a postgraduate diploma course, both of which only select 15 students each. Oh, yeah. That's so, selective. Um, if okay. 15 students all across the country they are then selected on the basis of written exam and the interview and we have diverse uh, panel like not only just archaeology you know experts from different field they sit in the panel and then they select uh, students every year 15 students i think this year it's 20. Okay. Oh, nice. So this year it's 20 students. Yeah, because I really um, want them to increase the yeah, number. Yeah, so this year it's yeah. 20. And uh, so the beauty of Institute of Archaeology is that it will train a student on every aspect of archaeology. It's not just digging. It's also conservation. Yeah, um, documentation. Uh, epigraphy, uh, numismatics, everything. Different aspects of archaeology. And then this is, I think, after the uh, institute which trains the IS officers. This is the only institute which offers all India tour. Hmm. So the students then travel all across the country That's and cool. they see all the heritage buildings, yeah. archaeological sites and then it also has a prehistory excavation program where you know what we excavate uh, usually is uh, what I excavate is usually proto-history and early historic period but prehistory is uh, another ball game altogether. It's, it's, it's very technical and it requires a specialized What's training. What's prehistory? Prehistory is basically where before the writing. Okay. So our history is divided yeah. into uh, this prehistory, proto and history. Yeah. So prehistory is pre-writing, uh, uh, the evidence of writing. Proto is where we have evidence but it's not deciphered, that is Indus Valley Civilization. Okay. And that's proto-history. Yeah. And then you have history where you have the written records. Yeah. So prehistory is also where we deal with human evolution. Yeah. Uh, stone tools, uh, <laughs> which got me into archaeology. <laughs> so we deal with human evolution, uh, evolution of stone tools, and also uh, evolution right from the Paleolithic, which is the Ice Age, uh, all the way till the early farming, where the farming uh, comes up yeah. in not only subcontinent but across the globe. Agriculture. So agriculture, yes. Yeah. So that's where prehistory is, and then you have proto, where you have the cities, the yeah. Indus Valley, the first civilization, the ancient civilization, yeah. and then you have. The history. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, history is super fascinating. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. for... It really is, because in the proto-history period already, Indians had become international. Yeah. They're like traveling across the but seas. But no, no, were there any Indians at that point of time? I mean... No, I'm, I'm just yeah. talking... It's like geographical Italy, area yeah. I'm yeah. talking about. But the civilization, like the Indus Valley civilization people, not only were they traveling long distances over rivers, they were settling around rivers, but they're building full-on dockyards yes. and ports, Port. and then going all the way down to like uh, places like Africa and That's the rest of Europe. Incredible. Yeah. So it's like they, they were setting up the colonies. They're setting up colonies. They were international. Yeah. When 
We don't even know how to read their language. We yeah. don't know how to read their language, but we know so much about the world of Harappans. ब्रह्मी he knew sanskrit correct so he was able to go back in time so it was sort of going you know yeah. using you reverse you could you had a point of comparison yeah. where with the harappan yes. script there's so, no point so but then yeah we don't know that because then there is a gap we gap as in we don't we have not found it hmm. we just haven't found, found that, that that piece Rosetta that can Stone. just yeah the rosetta and, stone but after this excursion of sonali i can say that there are, there's so much that we don't know and i think it's just in archaeology with the, with one discovery things can change yeah oh, and yeah. i think that's the main that's the discovery every archaeologist is probably hoping to make in their career right yeah. that one thing that <laughs> i think if you dig in any site you're going to find, find something, something incredible yes. everywhere yeah, I it's agree. like yeah it's like and even if it is like a tiny stone fragment right remember the agate bull from haryana yeah oh, amazing which the, is an indus valley civilization thing it's basically agate is a stone that you remember sedimentary rocks that we see on the river sides that have like strips running through Bands, them so yeah. this is a brown color stone that has a white strip running it and they made a bull and it's this small hmm. but it has golden horns oh, wow. beautiful and yeah. this and we are going to get into our museum <laughs> but this is like when you look at it it's so beautiful it's so glossy it's like oh, wow what were they thinking when they made this yeah. you know so uh, honestly whenever you dig and like in my project when when i work in satellite remote sensing i always say that it's only 10% of human history that we've really mm. uncovered yeah, right true and the rest of it half of the time you can't uncover because there's continuous history on that land yes it's yeah. continuation yeah yeah yes. it's like pe- the man a person forget man but a person from the ancient proto proto history time pre history time has continued to live in that same geographical area yeah these are mm. continuously you know? inhabited regions especially yeah. after the rivers were formed the the uh, the area that you would actually build your settlement will be you know somewhere where it's close to the river close to the source where you can grow crops yeah. and then you know it's closer to the nearest city where you can sell your surplus so you just imagine after the early farming a lot of our settlements have been in the same area yeah correct unless and until there is a river that just disappears disappears <laughs> which is what we are dealing <laughs> with we are dealing the with issue the that we are dealing with oh my god that. yeah like yeah. i spent so All much time in the lab trying to find this bloody paleo channel of raki gadi it's my everest anyway. no guys remember when we went uh, in suryagar there was that haunted village and the story was like somebody had cursed the village no. and then i googled it because it was beautiful like the government obviously wanted tourists to come to this village mm. and it was one of the most beautiful things i've ever seen like starlit sky like little perfectly preserved like houses and stuff 
And I walk in and I'm like, this, oh, this is so ridiculous that this village has been cursed, everyone left. So when I Googled it, it said there was an earthquake oh. uh, because of which like a lot of the people had to leave the village because their homes were damaged or whatever oh. it is. And this, the tribe actually intermingled with other tribes and that's why there's no like sign See? of them, you know. So obviously there's a logical explanation yeah. for yeah. These, uh, these areas. But on a well, last question before we sort of wrap up. There has been, and this is a slightly controversial question, so we'll see how uh, we tackle it. But, you know, there has been a rise a little bit to, like, associate, let's say, archaeology with India's romanticized past and identity, you know? Like, oh, India, you know, we have the oldest civilization in the world. We have, like, you know, uh, a very monolithic identity that has never changed and things like that. Mm. As archaeologists in the field, are you guys seeing more and more of that or is this something I'm just noticing in my echo chamber? Um, I think there is a shift in the way, uh, not the archaeologists, but the way people, uh, see, see, in popular world, people have certain expectations. They think we are uh, magicians, we're just going to find evidence and we're going to prove or disprove <laughs> something. And they just want us to prove their narrative and I think in Indian Express uh, just few days ago there was a very interesting piece written on this that you know addicts should not validate a popular narrative which is very true and it cannot it cannot it yeah. cannot it's it really too little cannot. evidence it's in one side evidence and you know what when we are excavating we're not thinking about the narrative right we're not thinking about you know what people think we just have research questions and objectives that we are trying to solve in the field with the help of resources and technology at our disposal so we are trying to do a very different work from what people think we are doing and but you know uh, I feel the new generation that is coming they're coming with that thinking yeah because imagine we are not conditioned in that thinking uh, when when I was uh, being trained uh, you know exactly 10 years ago uh, the perspective was not you know whether or not India is the oldest or biggest or whether we're going to find this you know if an archaeologist asked me and a lot of archaeologists you know Anika rightly said and I'm, I'm, that's the reason why our, our wavelengths are thinking really match if an archaeologist calls me and asks me Disha tell me something unique you have find I will never answer that archaeologist because that is just a ridiculous question coming from an archaeologist because every piece of evidence is important. Yeah. Yeah. So when we are excavating, our perspective is totally different. We never go with a set narrative. Mm. But today, the new generation, the you know younger lot that is coming for training, because I am I am in this training. Uh, you know, I'm been training. Uh, I think I've trained about five batches of Institute of Archaeology now in field excavation training. Yeah. I see that they do come with that thinking. Yeah. And I think the role of the archaeologist is not to create or find history. Yes. Yeah. Their role is to collect history. Yeah. You know, we have to find all the small pieces. And you can, when you find the evidence on the ground, and I think Disha will echo this, half the time you are, you don't know what exactly you found. And you yeah. don't know what yeah. the significance of this is. But sometimes when you give it enough time and you zoom out of your site, yes you go back to the drawing board that's when you figure out okay what is the significance of this and maybe the significance of whatever you have found on that site or everything that you found in that site leads you nowhere and yeah. that's okay it's yeah. okay to have if not fa find anything yeah. like somebody asked me recently what if you know yesterday you were talking or what if you um, you dig up uh, you take a trench in a place where you don't find anything and and 
it's okay to find nothing that yeah. is also part of the that's research. also evidence yeah. that's also evidence that says this why site was not being used for any human purposes any, any any archaeological evidence what is the reason were they using this particular area for something else because a lot of times we're just limited to structures cities we we don't have we don't look at the intangible yeah, yeah. You know, intangible, and also we're used to uh, finding small wins or big wins yeah, every time yeah, you're yeah, yeah. digging out a thing. And if you don't have that, immediately the Im uh, impression of yourself in your own mind goes, "Have I failed?" Actually, mm. no. You are just collecting facts yeah. here. Yeah. There's no failure or success over here. You're just collecting facts, and maybe these facts will make sense like a year later. To you. Guys, yeah. now I want to come on one of these uh, excavations. Can I come? Sure. I don't want to come. You take Disha's permission. I Even I take Disha's permission to you go on this side. Disha, so as a lay person, can yeah. I, can, if I wanted to really come, is it possible? Yeah, you can visit. You're welcome you can visit. to visit. Yeah. That'd be cool. You're welcome to visit. Maybe that could be your next uh, podcast. <laughs> That should, that, would be. Be fun. that should be fun. Yeah. That should be. Yeah. On site. Mm. On site. Disha has made me sit down and, uh, you know, uh, work with pottery. Actually, no, you didn't make me do that. that was, uh, somebody, uh, else somebody else made else me do that. Do that. <laughs> when they went exploring, they made me sat down with the, sit down with the village ladies. That was ladies. after the excursion. Yeah, I after. had gone back. Yeah. You had gone back and I was I was given a job for two hours to clean all the pottery shards. That was fun, so no? Fun. It was yeah. great. <laughs> it was the only cooling thing over the there. Thing. <laughs> it was so hot. <laughs> I was like, yes, I will put my hand in the water. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And I'm actually quite excited to take you up on this invitation and come along with you guys. Yeah. Please. Um, but Do thank you, Disha, for like joining us. Thank and it was you so incredibly much for having me. Yeah. yeah, it was an enlightening conversation. I'm stuck like here between uh, two. Maybe that should be the title of this episode. Yeah. In between two archaeologists. Between two yeah. archaeologists. Yeah. <laughs> you know, first, I, I do want to close with one thought. When I had first gone to Rakhi Gari, I was... Mm. Also very worried when I was going there that who will I meet there? Who will take me around the site? Can I ask my <laughs> questions? Because I'm here to do a job, right? I need yeah. to get information. And I don't know if you remember, but I was violently writing in yes. my notebook. I everything. remember recording also. Recording, writing and everything because I'm supposed to take the brief for her for the satellite remote sensing that I was supposed to do. So when I went to the site, I think one of the most, the best things was that it was a lady yeah <laughs> and it was someone who was you know close to my age and it just felt good yeah, to same see that same and, and I, I think both of us felt yeah, it that yes day. But, and actually I tell you one more interesting thing I was introduced to Sarah um, Anika is working with Sarah yeah um, through a common friend and I remember exchanging emails and a few years ago and she mentioned Anika's name Oh, right? And I remembered vaguely, you know, Anika. And then I met her and I was like, oh my God, finally. Yeah. You know, meeting. Yeah. Um, it's just, I think it's like very heartwarming and feels like life is coming back to normal again when you see women like us. It's very important. Who are working in places that are rugged environments. And, and they're very male-dominated. Very male-dominated. Totally male-dominated, but at the same time, we are the women in charge. Yeah, right? incredible. For I whatever we have to do. And I don't think there goes a day without women like us, you included, Gethi, walking into a room full of men. Yeah. And we have to tell them what to do. Yeah. And it is, one of the most, um, it is one of the most diplomatic moments of, uh, human, uh, of like emotional intelligence. Yes. Yeah. And that's where we win. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah. it's it's not that easy to, you know, uh, tell a group of men what to do because they 
men conditioned in certain way uh, it's not easy to you have to sort of develop a thick skin and you have to have a different identity yeah and you have to condition yourself in such a way that certain things if they don't go your way or you feel hurt because yeah. every one of us do right we are yeah. emotional uh, being so if or if we, you don't agree with my opinion agree, in the meeting yeah yeah so you have to develop the thick skin and you have to stand your ground all the time and yeah. it has not been easy but yeah we are here we've done and it. hopefully done guys it, yeah. in 10 years there'll be more such women yeah, you know hoping. there will be yeah, she's women. seeing more enrollment of women in yeah. the course i'm seeing more enrollment yeah. of women in the institute as well institute yes so godspeed to all yeah. of us i just yeah. hope that you know um uh, i just want to give a quick example i have seen like in 1952 there was a survey that happened in ghagar in rajasthan that was one of the first surveys after the newly formed country india right and in that survey uh, there were a group of men who were given charged by the then director general a ghosh to explore the dry bed of river ghagar uh, and in in the group of 12 men 12 15 men there was one woman dr debla mitra and i remember seeing this old black and white pictures in uh, the asi office she's wearing sari but with sports shoes yeah with a cap on and she uh, finished the survey and then she became the first director general women director general of asi yeah and and the only archaeologist so far we mm. have had is officers holding mm. the post but the only female archaeologist holding yeah. that post How cool. and that image really empowered but you know that yeah. is something that india does not surprise me on we've had the first women prime minister yeah. first women president yeah. like women that way is rising to the top in india has never stopped but going to the that no, example a, follow up follow is the hard is one hard no yeah. one second the first female prime minister female president they all either like married to men that were in those positions of power with politicians you'll see that a lot that is true uh, yeah. or they've been placed there by a man um which is what actually in politics it's a it's a big misconception yeah. that women have led the way they've always been placed yeah, there by a true. man who they were either married to or there is their son or is you either know, way when kamla harris was becoming very important in america as that like, guys we've been doing it in india for yeah. a while now okay, excuse <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah just that ignore the context of it but yeah that there yeah. there is true that, but i think politicians aside and all of that that image, it would yeah, yeah. It was very powerful because imagine you know today i'm exploring the same region for my doctoral research um I can't imagine doing that. I mean like I I mean I can because I understand but back then back then 1950s I mean then a lot of women have then like really contributed to the Indian archaeology yeah. and they don't get credit for. So I yeah. hope that And maybe even we won't get the credit for it yeah, but we, we still got to do what we got to do. Used to it but then we're doing our work and yeah. that's what matters. Nothing's going to stop us. <laughs> Nothing's going to stop. Well on much. that note guys yeah. I think we're going to call it a day. Thank yeah. you Bye. very much. <laughs>